Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church, Sun City West. We are so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, if you are a guest for the very first time, we'd love for you to take the opportunity to fill out one of our guest cards. You will find them in the pew in the uh, in the pew in front of you. Just fill them out, and when you leave today, if you'll just put them in one of our offering boxes at one of the exits, we would appreciate that very much. Come to a time. Uh, I'm just making a few announcements before we uh, prepare ourselves for our service. Um, how many of you have ever been to vacation Bible school before? About 99.3% of you. How many of you have ever been to an adult vacation Bible school? Raise your hand. Okay, that's a fairly good number, but it's more in the 42% range. That's what my estimate is. But coming in the uh, uh, latter part of July, July 24th, 25th, and 26th, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we're going to have, I think it's our third vacation Bible school for adults. And uh, there are men and women's tracks who are having Bible study and crafts and uh, snacks, Bible study, and uh, just a lot of fun times. And it's a great time of fellowship. And guys, let me tell you what, the games are exhilarating and the craft this year is going to be for the guys just very special as well the ladies for certain they always have great craft times so I just hope that you'll set those days aside from 9 to 12 and be with us the Bible study is going to be excellent uh, for both the men and the women so please take the time and the opportunity to come and then ladies uh, you have a ladies fellowship luncheon uh, tomorrow at noon bring your uh, own uh, lunch and uh, let's fellowship together guys enjoy that time men get the men's breakfast uh, today's the final day for the sign up for Tuesday so make sure you do that out in the foyer and then uh, also we have the fall dinner fellowship groups uh, this past spring we've had about 70 people involved in our uh, fellowship groups we've, I think we have eight different groups and it's been a, a great time for so many and I hope that uh, you'll look at that and say well you know what I think that I will sign up and try it you go from September through January. It's about five months. So uh, whether you are uh, a single man, a single woman, a couple, just make sure you sign up. All of those are put together. You have uh, lots of options. And uh, once a month, just getting together for, uh, for lunch or dinner at either somebody's house or a restaurant, all of that will be taken care of by a group leader. But uh, enjoy that time of fellowship, okay? Now, I want to lead us into a time of prayer. This morning, we are uh, going to observe the Lord's Supper. The entire service is focused on the bread and the juice representing the blood of Christ. Every aspect of this service uh, has been uh, prayed over, been encouraged, been thought through. But all of that, all of that will make no difference if you yourself are not prepared. And so I encourage you, as we begin our time of service and we talk about the preparation, that you make sure that you and God have a very special time. Because the purpose is for each of us individually to make that connection with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, remembering His sacrifice. Both by taking of the bread and the juice, He said, through Paul, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Paul communicated to the church at Corinth. And so, 
as we prepare ourselves individually and as the body and the family of faith. My encouragement to you, prepare yourself. Expect to meet God. Experience Him so that as you leave today, you will not be the same person. Join me in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity that you have given us today. We're excited. We're happy, joyful, and that's because of you. Because there's not a person here in this worship center that do not have burdens, that do not have difficulties and challenges that they face. But in you, we can have inner joy and peace. And Father, the beauty of the Lord's Supper, the remembering of what Christ has done for us, Father, it awakens again into us a very special understanding of our relationship with you and the fellowship that you desire with us on not just a surface level, but on a level of depth. And so, God, I, I pray that you will speak to each of us. Help us to prepare ourselves to be in a worthy manner to come before you with this vital and important ordinance. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
So it was Passover. Mark and Luke record that Jesus asked two of his <coughs> disciples to go before them and prepare the place for the Passover meal. He asked Peter and John to go where they would celebrate the Passover together. Frankly, I wouldn't have picked these 12 to be my disciples. <laughs> Jesus, the people that he chose, several of them would betray him, sell him out, or desert him, or outright deny him. In fact, during this, this feast of the Passover, followed by the Lord's Supper, where Jesus has spent all this time telling his beloved ones about spiritual things, of eternal truths, and the announcement that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And, and he was just loving on them so dearly. And, and he, he washed their feet and everything else. They had prepared a place. But it doesn't seem that they had prepared themselves. The Gospel of Luke tells us that as soon as Jesus had said, one of you here are going to betray me, it says a dispute arose amongst them as to which of them was considered the greatest. Are you kidding me? After all that, this is what they do. I, I, I look at it and I think it's kind of a motley crew, unworthy to the core. And yet Jesus loved them and died for them. And I, I myself am the motliest of all and the unworthiest of all. And yet Jesus loves me and he died for me. Hear the words of the psalmist. Now, now pay attention. Here is the way by which we prepare for the supper that Jesus invites you and me to. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord and put a new and right spirit within me. The psalmist continues, the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O Lord, thou wilt not despise. We are sinners saved by grace. So if the prerequisite as we approach the Lord's Supper, if the prerequisite is that we are worthy or somehow we're good enough or we're deserving or anything like that, the prerequisite is that we have forsaken all sin and we don't sin anymore, we should not partake of it. I don't think anybody would be able to partake under those circumstances. If, however, we approach the Lord's table and accept his invitation, repenting and forgiven, we are his specially invited guests. Every time I get to participate in communion, the Lord's table, I am overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed to tears, to, to silent repentance and, 
and I'm consumed with gratitude. Every time I prepare to celebrate the gift of communion, I pray the words of that great hymn. Will you today in preparation this, let this be your prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, and know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. Lord, take my life and make it wholly thine. Fill my poor heart with thy great love divine. Take all my will, my passion, self, and pride. I now surrender, Lord, in thee abide. I dare not come to the Lord's table with less than that on my lips. For the sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. And Jesus says, welcome to my table. I'm glad you came. the words that Dick has shared with us gives us and leads us to a time of preparation and so I would ask you if you would to make, take the next few moments just in silent prayer congregational prayer you can pray it softly in your heart in your mind your soul or you can pray it out loud but take this opportunity please bow with me and let's have this time of congregational prayer and the prayer altar is open for anyone who would like to come as well. You've heard the cry of our hearts, God.
do ask that you continue to search the remotest parts of our minds and our hearts. And through this service, to bring any, anything that might hinder our time at your table. Any unforgiveness, any resentments, any anger, any unforgiveness. I pray during this time, Father, if there's any obstacle, help us bring it to you now. And thank you. Thank you for inviting us to your table to this time of remembrance. Help us to have ears to hear, eyes to see, and to experience the presence of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.
Passover to the New Covenant. Passover, of course, is the second most holy day of the Jewish calendar. Of course, the Day of Atonement is the most holy day in the Jewish calendar. Jewish families gather for a ritual meal called a Seder, during which specific elements recount the history of Israel. Passover Seder includes reading the Haggadah, which recounts the Jewish people's exodus from Egypt to the Promised Land. It includes drinking four cups of wine, singing and eating symbolic foods. And during the meal, the children recite the four questions, which all aim to answer the overarching question, what makes this night different from all the rest? Passover is known as the watershed event in Jewish history. It was a turning point, a defining moment for the Jewish people. Everything changed for them because of Passover. God rescued, preserved, called them out to be his people in their own land. And immediately after their departure from Egypt, he instituted uh, the Passover as a memorial time. Now, thousands of years later, Jewish people commemorate this event and tell their children, passing on a legacy of faith in the one God, just as he had commanded them. When God stepped in to extricate them as a people, he conveyed to them that he had not forgotten them. The God of Israel is faithful to keep his covenant made many years before with their father Abraham. He would not forsake his promise. God's intervention to free the children of Israel told them that they were still his people and he was their God. And he raised them up from a subjugated people and reminded them 
that they were called and chosen. Jesus chose the night of Passover to institute the Lord's Supper. As was mentioned, he had evidently made arrangements to observe the Passover with his disciples. A room had been prepared and Jesus sent Peter and John to make the final preparation. Historically, it's set on Thursday evening of Holy Week called Maundy Thursday. It comes from a Greek word, Monday, which means mandate or commandment. Luke, in his presentation of the Last Supper, uh, shaped the tradition to present the evening as a classic occasion for a leader telling his followers goodbye and warning them and giving instruction for the days ahead. Interestingly enough, in Luke's gospel, uh, Judas does not leave until after the supper is originated. He not only turned Jesus over to his enemies, but he violated the covenant in blood and body. Some commentators see two parallels between the Passover and the Lord's Supper. And I'm referring to Luke 22. The two sayings are associated with the Passover in two ways. First of all, it's fulfillment. Jesus said, for I tell you, I shall not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. The Lord's Supper was a part of the fulfillment of the Passover and God's deliverance of his people. It is also eschatological in its orientation. Jesus said, for I tell you that from now on, I shall not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. So fulfillment and eschatological looking toward the end seem to be elements coming from the Passover into the Lord's Supper. And the second unit in verses 19 and 20 preserves a tradition centering on two other sayings. Jesus said to his disciples, this is my body which is given for you. And then he said, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Some people interpret these words to refer to a sacrificial offering. However, Luke's account is governed by the Passover and the Passover lamb was not a sin offering. Sin offering was different from that. The Passover lamb was the seal of God's covenant with his people. Jesus' blood seals a new covenant offering a new kind of freedom from captivity to sin and death. And those who share in this covenant are joined to one another in life as signified and sealed in dividing the cup among themselves. The last meaning of the tradition, the bonding of disciples to one another became extremely important in the rest of the New Testament as Paul set to, about developing new congregations. So the Lord's Supper ought to remind us that we are members of one another.
We often talk about Jesus' deity and the fact that he was and he is God. And that's important because that's absolutely true. But what is also essential is his humanity. And that's what the bread stands for. The bread symbolizes the body of Jesus. Now, why do we remember Jesus' body? The blood of Jesus may be more important because it was the blood of Jesus that he poured out and his life that he gave that actually satisfied the justice of God. Jesus paid the price and brought us forgiveness. And so his blood is prominent uh, during communion as we remember him. But why do we re also remember the body of Jesus? Well, we remember it because Jesus was born a baby. And when he was born, he took on human flesh. John says in John 1 that the word became flesh and blood. This is one of the significant ways that Jesus communicates his love for us. Imagine what Jesus went through. He united infinite majesty and infinite glory with the limited body of a human baby. He was born absolutely dependent, as every baby is. He never stopped being God, but when he was born, he ceased to rely upon the deity that he took on when he became a baby. He never stopped being God when he was born, but he ceased to tap into his deity. Why? It was because he loved us. And in an incredible way, he took his deity and became a man like you and us. Secondly, we remember his body because it's a reminder that we can come to him who knows what it's like to live and face difficulties in life. In Hebrews 4, the author says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Jesus can empathize with us. And that is because he lived life as one of us. Some of you here have lost a spouse, and you know how obviously difficult that is. I haven't been through an episode like that. And so when I hear that, I can sympathize to a degree, but not to the extent that someone else can who has also lost a spouse. And you know the instant rapport when you talk to somebody who has also lost a spouse, that they have an empathy that draws you immediately heart to heart. Jesus lived life as a man. He lived life as a human. And that means he went through life. And as it says, he was tempted in every way. He knows what it's like to live life. As a result of that, we, he says that we can come to him as our high priest. Jesus was tired. He was weary. Um, 
He faced hostile people. And sometimes in the difficulties of our life, we think that no one can understand. We need to realize that Jesus can. And Jesus is our great high priest because he took on a human form. He lived life like us. And then finally, we remember Jesus' body because through his human life, he was able to qualify and be acceptable to God to die for us. Jesus was our substitute. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes and says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He did for us what we could not do for our, ourselves. We have all sinned. We recognize that. And as a result, we individually and personally have no remedy, no solution to pay for our sins. We were disqualified to do anything because we have sinned before God. But Jesus had no sin. And he qualified to die for us because he was not just human, he was perfectly human. He qualified to die because he met God's perfect standard of keeping every command of God. And he could apply his merit, his achievement of his perfect life, not to himself, because he had no sin, but he could apply them to us with all of our sins. And because he was also God, he could apply his achievements and merits, not just for one or two people, but for everyone. And that includes us. And so as we express our faith in Jesus for what he did, we can be forever grateful. It started when he came as a baby. It continued when he lived his life, grew up, and he had his death on the cross, and ultimately, as a human, died for our sins. We celebrate the body of Christ. If you would take this opportunity to take all that you have heard and spend some moments in prayer before we take the bread.
Our dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today that we can come and commemorate um, the Lord's Supper. We just pray for the bread now, Lord. We pray for the symbol that it was your broken body that was broken for us. We just pray these things in your name.
Jesus said, take eat, this is my body. And there they 
take just a moment to say thank you pastor for giving us that time at the beginning of the service to meditate and to sit in silence how many of us came this morning ready to be a part of the observance of the Lord's Supper we knew it was going to happen but were we ready when we got here in 1st Corinthians chapter 11 the Apostle Paul is writing to concern Christians in the church because Paul was concerned that they had not apparently understood exactly what the supper was all about and consequently he tried to explain it to them he was in effect saying this put everything else out of your mind and think upon me the body of Christ the blood of Christ. Folks, we're here today because God loves us. We're here today because he sacrificed his son. We're here today because with his broken body and his shed blood, we have life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus did the same thing that was done with the bread. The very same thing. But then he used these words. This is a new covenant. A new covenant. We are here this morning because of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Someone will say, why do we talk about the blood and the broken body? Think back to Easter time. 
Think about what happened when our Lord and Savior went before the legal authorities, when he was beaten, when he was laughed at, when he was spit upon, when he fell and no one wanted to help him up. What have we done? What do we need to do in order to be a person who is found worthy of partaking in the Lord's Supper? I'm not a judge, but I can look at my own heart and I can understand myself a bit. Jesus said a new covenant. Miss Nancy, I wish I could sing because I can think of so many songs about the blood of Jesus and what it's done for us. Have you been washed in the blood? And the list goes on and on and on. The blood of Jesus. The new covenant. The gift of God. The avenue to a new life, an eternal life. That one day we will be blessed and able to stand in the presence of God. Why? Not because of our goodness and our grace. Not because of who we are but because Jesus Christ gave himself a broken body, blood that was shed. I don't know what was happening to the church in Corinth, but Jesus tried to explain to them something different. They'd gone through the right rituals and the acts and everything that was necessary, but then Jesus said this, a new covenant. That new covenant was the body and the blood of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. When Paul wrote to the church, he said this, and this is why I thanked our pastor a moment ago. When he talked to them, he said, in our language, be sure, be sure that when you take the bread and you take the blood, the juice. Be sure your heart is clean. Are we clean today? Are we ready to take the body and the blood of Jesus? They're symbols, but they're real. you bow in prayer as Jim leads us in a prayer focused upon the symbolism of the blood. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the sacrifice that you gave. You shed your blood. You gave your body for us, Lord. Lord, I just pray that as we take this time this morning, we think on these things, not just today, but each and every day, Father, in remembrance of you. For it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
Jesus said, drink you all of it, for this is my blood of the kingdom, of the, of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you the truth, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Through this service, at every single aspect and element, from each speaker to each song, to the distribution of the bread and the juice, and you're taking that with your response before God, with the heart after him, it brings us to this point of what was he guiding us to? Obviously, in remembrance of him, he's the example to remind us of what he did, what he committed to do, what he promised. Jesus sacrificed it all and therefore, we are challenged to live sacrificial lives every single day. Paul calls it in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 to be a living sacrifice. The focus is sacrifice, meaning that when we choose to give our lives to Christ, we die to ourselves and we live in Christ. Christ lives through us. So we should sacrifice ourselves. We, we should put our own desires to the side and make sure we're following exactly what he wants us to do. Those are adjustments that we have to make. Secondly, we find that Jesus reconciled the world to himself. And it challenges us that we should continue his ministry of reconciliation. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 that, that uh, 
God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave it to us. He gave us his son and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That means that as Jesus brought the lost before God and paved the way for them to accept Christ into their lives, to have fellowship with God again, we are to continue that ministry of bringing people to God and letting God, through the power of His Spirit, work in their lives. When he says, do this in remembrance of me, we also are reminded that Jesus saved us by grace. That's not of ourselves. It challenges us that we are to share that grace with others. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, it's by grace that we have been saved. It's not of ourselves, it's of God. If God extends that grace to us, we who were his enemies, then how much more should we be grateful for his grace? That he transformed our lives, that he lives in us. And we ought to transfer that same grace to others. To others that we might need not see eye to eye. That might even be our enemies. But also that grace to share that God loves them and cares for them, those who are lost. And so we live by grace, giving grace to others, eliminating judgment, eliminating the negativity, the darkness, the being ones with compassionate care to show grace even to those that we might disagree with. But also to share the grace of life everlasting. Do this in remembrance of me. What Jesus said, as we remember, is that he promised to always be with us. That challenges us to always be faithful to him. If you look at Matthew chapter 28, the scripture is very clear. It says, go and make disciples. The idea of us living our lives as we go has the focus of saying, yes, we're going to be faithful to him. If this is what he has commanded, then we're going to strive to go and everywhere we go, we're going to share the grace, the light, the good news of Christ. Strive to make disciples, and then we're going to come beside those disciples, those new believers, as well as those mature believers, and we're going to walk with them in the realm of discipleship and the sharing of life. We're going to celebrate when they're baptized. Jesus said, to the very end of the age, I'm going to be with you always and so as we live life here and as we will live life there always be faithful and so as we move to our invitation it's simple as we observe the Lord's table 
And we do this in remembrance of him. Let's remember what his commandments were. And let's make sure that we are accomplishing and serving him the way that he's called us to serve. And this invitation, if today is a day to give your life to Christ because you've never experienced that before, or to rededicate or recommit your life for today to say, man, this has been powerful. I want to live for God with everything that I have. You make that decision in the pew or publicly as I'll be at the front. God calls you to join and be a part of this fellowship. You come, but as God leads, you come. Let's stand, please. Sing our invitation. Jesus said when they completed the Lord's Supper, the Bible says they had sung a hymn and they went out. I want to thank each of our ministers who spoke today and our deacons who served and our choir who led us in worship. And as we get ready to leave, as we sing this song, sing it with all of your heart as we celebrate the remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ.